So anyway, uh, jumping into the, the text, jumping in. Jumping in is, is actually a pretty appropriate word uh, for today. It's been summertime, and I've been thinking a lot about this, this aspect of, of jumping in the water. And, and it's going to even make sense to the text we're going to look at. Uh, we're going we're gonna to look at somebody who definitely did some jumping in the water. And I've been thinking about reminiscing when I was younger and, uh, and was a little crazier. And I remember my teenage years, school letting out, and my friend... Uh, living down by the river uh, in, in the back country in the middle of nowhere. I already was uh, living in a small town called Lockhart, Texas, south of Austin, about 10,000 people. I know some of y'all are like, small town, that's smaller. But then some of y'all around here, you're like, oh my goodness, did you have a stoplight? We had two. We did. We did. Um, we had two stoplights and, uh, and one grocery store. And, <laughs> and so anyway, but um, living in a small town, Lockhart, where uh, pastor Walt is actually senior pastoring there and we would go down to the river and I mean teenagers jumping in the river and having a blast and there was just this great river and then there was like this dam that was there and had a slope and you could go down the dam and hang out anyway all this kind of stuff but there was this ginormous tree with a rope swing in one of those situations you ever been in one of those situations where like it's your first time to go on a rope swing but you're nervous it is the first time and you're like I don't even know what this looks like and you're like and, and you're, you want to go but for some reason your body like prevents you from going like you're ready to jump you're ready to take that step but for some reason your feet don't want to let go of the tree or the step or whatever you're on and I remember even more so than I would see the crazy college guys that would be climbing this tree well beyond even where the rope was attached to this ginormous um, tree there in the middle of nowhere, Texas, and, and jumping off, and oh man, so I just, I just got inspired, and, uh, and I had to go, I had to do this, and, and, uh, and I remember climbing the tree for the first time, and I get way up there, but it was one of these, it was this beautiful moment, in, in a sense, because like, I'm way up there, and the tree splits, and, and you can look straight down, and you can see the river, and we tested the river, the river's safe, there's no branches underneath it, all that kind of stuff, and, uh, and you can look down, straight down, and you can see the river, Eyes on the champion of our faith, eyes on Jesus. I can look down. I can see my destination. I can see where I'm going. But the problem is you couldn't jump straight down. That You had to jump over the limbs and the leaves and the green of the tree. So you had to jump out in faith, clearing the branches and everything that was there to fall down to what you could see. You ever felt like that? You're like, I can, I, I, I can see the destination. I can see where I want to go, but the next step I can't see. <laughs> I, I, I can see that thing, but I can't see the next thing. And I feel like sometimes that's us in faith. That's us and what we're facing and what we're going through. And, and, um, and I think that's, that's an important thing to, to consider, to remind ourselves. I, I think sometimes we get stuck in that place. We get stuck in that moment. And, and I remember even then in that moment of uh, when I finally, finally built up the courage and, you know, and it's like, no, y'all go on, like all the rope swingers. I'm like, y'all go on. They're still waiting on me. They're waiting. They're waiting. And I'm like telling them to go. And I remember when I finally made that first jump and it's like, oh man, I can't wait to do that again. It's like when you finally, you share Jesus with somebody for the first time and you get that positive response. And you're like, I can't wait to do that again. And then the next time comes and you're like, Like you're waiting on God to do something, he's waiting on you. <laughs> like, like, I don't know about you. That's, I've been in that position. I climb back up the tree, and I, go and, I, and I go to jump again. And yet, even though I've already done it, yet there's still, for some reason, my feet 
don't want to leg. I'm not a monkey. Like, I mean, I climbed the tree, but I'm not actually a monkey. Like, I'm not holding on, literally. I don't have the kind of, like, opposing thumbs on my feet kind of situation. And, uh, and like, but yet I cannot let go. I cannot let go. And, and eventually I built up the courage. It reminded me, it's what reminded me of that C.S. Lewis quote, that sometimes we think just because we've done it once, just because we've been there, but yet we still struggle sometimes. But this is faith. This is salvation. This is a life of following after Jesus. This is, this is the life of a Christian sometimes. I don't know about you, but I didn't get it perfect on the first time, and I didn't get it perfect on the second time. And there were times that I did get it right, but it wasn't always consecutive. It wasn't always the next moment, the next thing, the next time, the next opportunity. And I think that's an important thing to remember. And I love this story that I want to look at of Peter walking on water. One of the famous stories that we have that many of us are familiar with. And, and I, will, I will begin with, to give a little bit of context. So in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples, including Peter, the disciples were in a trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on water. And when the disciples saw him walking on water, they were terrified. In their fear, in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. I love when Jesus responds like this. Of course, the Bible talks so many times about don't being afraid and gives us instruction. The text even recognizes the fear. And he says, don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. Your champion is here. And Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Tell me to come to you. Lord, if it's you. You know, we've given Peter a lot of criticism. I don't know about you, but in the church world, in my experience, and listened to a lot of preaching, we've given Peter a lot of criticism for this moment. But that beginning, I began to believe that Peter must be compelled in this moment to come out to Jesus. I don't know about you, but here's one of the things that I believe about each and every one of us here today is that we were created, designed, planned, and purposed by God to come to him. And I believe Peter in this moment is being compelled by an unction inside of him that he cannot even explain. Sure, there may be some, some other motivations and some other aspects, but I believe Peter is seeing Jesus in this moment, and he cannot help but say, Jesus, if that's you, I don't know what this is. I'm just finding myself drawn to come to you. Will you bid me? Will you call me out? Come to, come to you. Adam and Eve created in the garden were created to fellowship and walk in unity with God. They were created for this moment. From the beginning of time, mankind was created for this purpose of drawing close to God. Which is why even in their sin, there was a withdrawal from God. Where are you? I cannot find you. Where are you? As if God didn't know, but did Adam and Eve even know? Were they, were, were they even aware of it? I think this aspect of being afraid is something I really wanted to focus on as well because I think so often we like to categorize our sin. 
We like to talk about the sin we have and the sin we don't have. We like to talk about, let's be real, the sin our neighbor has and the sin we don't have. Let's maybe change the wording a little bit. We like to talk about sin. We like to categorize sin. Even when the text doesn't even categorize a particular sin of even like the prodigal son, we apply, oh, well, it must be this sin. It must be that one. The, 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 the worst one we can think of that doesn't apply to me. That's the sin the prodigal son had. And we tend to say this, but, but I think too often because of our categorizing of certain sins and naming certain sins, we fail to realize how much of our sin is even rooted in fear. And sometimes I think it would really help us in our process as disciples of Christ, following after Jesus, if we could recognize that there's an element of fear that plays into the sin that we're experiencing or committing. It's fear. Even in the garden with Adam and Eve, it was still fear when the serpent says, oh, did God really say that? Let me place a little bit of doubts in your mind as to what God actually said. Let me place a little bit of fear that you may have FOMO right now and that you have the fear of missing out on what God's actually doing and what he's actually instructed you to do. Let's, let's introduce a little bit of fear so that we can allow this fruit of fear to lead to sin. And I think this is really important even here because what we see with Peter when he says, Jesus says, yes, come on, come. You said it, Peter. You've got the faith. Come on, bring it. I love this, this presentation of Jesus who doesn't, who doesn't stipulate and, and put forth, let's, oh, well, Peter, do you have the checklist first? I know some of y'all love checklists. My wife loves checklists, by the way. We were joking about that this weekend. And, and to be able to check things off the list, it feels good. Some of y'all struggling. Maybe, I, honestly, I don't pick on my wife. I just acknowledge that I should do checklists. Um, like I would be way better off getting things done and having things like my iPad for notes if I had a checklist. Like, like checklists are a good thing, but, but even Jesus in this moment, he doesn't, he doesn't measure Peter, grade Peter, check Peter. He says, you said it. Come on, Peter, bring it. And I love this picture. So Peter, he went over the side of the boat and he walked on water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and he saw the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. He's terrified and began to sink. There was first fear that it was a ghost, and then there was still fear. Even Peter, in this great moment of faith, there is still fear in this moment. The Bible talks about the sin of not doing the thing we should do. I believe even Peter in this moment, if he had not called out to Jesus, if he had not stepped out of that boat, Peter would have been in sin. But we often think that the sin comes in Peter's failure of that he, that he sank in this moment and walking on water. No, no, no. Peter's experiencing a miracle of coming to Jesus. And just because he's sinking, well, let me be real for a moment here. The fact that Peter sank in this moment just proves that he's the first disciple to get water baptized. That's the real truth. That's my real point, by the way. That's like the ultimate point today is that Peter is the first disciple to get water baptized. Sure, it may not look like it's going to here and how it's going to feel in this moment. But Peter is going after Jesus with everything in him. Peter goes underwater and Peter calls out to Jesus. See, I think this moment of this underwater picture is a picture of the world that we live in. But it's a picture of each and every one of us, what we must acknowledge in the experiencing of salvation through Jesus Christ in our lives is that there is a sinking in our life, a failure that comes in this world. I don't know about you. 
Too many times in this life, I found myself like Peter trying to breathe underwater. Have you ever been underwater and needed to breathe? Maybe you were a kid just seeing how long you could hold your breath. Maybe you're an adult in a situation like our friend last night sharing in a situation where she ended up in water way deeper than she planned on and not prepared, not able to swim well enough in that situation. And instead of ending up in two feet of water, she ended up in 12 feet of water and having to have a, a lifeguard jump in to rescue her in this situation. Maybe you're just an adult facing battles and doctor's reports and bank statements and phone calls and children and life. Too many times in this life I have felt like Peter trying to breathe underwater. And this world doesn't help. Because this world can't solve this problem. Even, even in the little bit of technology, oh, but yeah, you know, I can, I can strap on equipment and technology to be able to breathe underwater, and even that only helps you for so long. Because the world and even the greatest scientists keep trying to solve this problem that cannot be solved in this world because it's not the literal breathing underwater that's our problem. It's the, the idea that we were designed to breathe something more than just oxygen that there was something that designed inside of us by God that was meant for more than just this world and the, a desire inside of us that this world cannot satisfy. But how much do we try? We try to satisfy. We try to take care of those needs. And yes, we may be able to lend towards uh, medication in the midst of depression and, and counseling in the midst of that. And, and there are things to help us that are also good but cannot ultimately solve what only Jesus can solve in our life. And in this moment, Peter trying to breathe underwater unintentionally because of a fear that came into his life, a fear that set into his mind. Even facing a Jesus that said, do not be afraid. And so often we're in this situation like Peter. And I love this picture even more so. Peter, save me, Lord. What a picture of salvation. What a picture of the gospel. What a picture of our lives. That we are created in, in this world, but not to be of this world, but even in that midst that we are created and then life comes and creates a fear inside of us that leads us astray from who God is, leads us astray from God's presence, that leads us into an underwater situation where we cannot breathe in this life. And Peter says, save me, Lord. And so many of us that have given our life to Jesus, how many of us have said that before? And we come into this place of salvation, it says immediately, no hesitation, no checklist, no reservation, immediately Jesus reaches out and you find my place. Jesus immediately reached out in verse 31 and grabbed him. You have so little faith. Why does he have little faith? Because the fear robbed the faith that he had. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped and the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. This picture, this picture, I don't know about you, but maybe so many of us have even had this baptism experience. We've given our life to Jesus. We've, we've given that, made that decision. We've We've done those things and yet life then keeps coming at us. I, I like this is the time and... Um, 
uh, we, we've uh, have camp going on. And we had teenagers at a youth camp, and and um, and uh, and I, I love what we used to tell kids at youth camp because. We used to tell them, and we wanted to be encouraging as much as possible, but it was one of those situations that teenagers would go to youth camp and have their lives transformed because they, they escaped some of the environment and the, the, the issues. They escaped some of the wind and the rain and the storms and the rocking of the boat, and, and all of a sudden they, they get to a place that they're able to then see Jesus more clearly than they've ever seen before, and they're able then to hear Jesus more clearly than they've ever heard before, and then they're able to call out to Jesus and they get their life rocked and transformed by the power of God in these situations. And their life is transformed, but guess what is not transformed? The world around them. Even in this situation, we see that there is a transformation, at least in the midst of the storm. That the storm is calm, but guess what? On the other side of that storm, on the other side of that sea, is still the same people. It's still the same problems. Your parents haven't changed. Your friends haven't changed. You've changed. But your environment hasn't changed. And sometimes we're able to come through those situations to recognize the need to be able to influence and affect change in the world around us, to bring a light into dark places. And sometimes we allow those storms to come and continue to beat us down and beat against our lives. So Peter, in this experience, he was saved by Jesus. Peter must have got it all perfect from this moment, right? Peter must have got it all right. He never stumbled again. He never denied Jesus. He never, he never uh, cut a guy's ear off. Like, like, even Peter in this moment, even after this salvation moment, we see Peter in this moment who continues to have a struggle. We've experienced baptisms. This is what I love about what we're going to do today is for those of us that have been baptized and we've said yes, we've made this commitment, I think too often us Christians, we forget about our baptism. We forget about those moments that transformed and changed our lives. We're human. Sometimes we got a spirit of forgetfulness on us. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's a spirit of forgetfulness that we sometimes forget how good God is. We forget the promises of God. We forget the salvation of Jesus Christ. We forget the miracles that he's already done in my life or maybe a close family member. We forget those things. And this is an opportunity for some of us. We don't need to get baptized again, but some of us need to remember that baptism again. Some of us need to remember to celebrate, which is why when, we, when people come out of this baptism water, maybe this is an opportunity that you need to come over here and hover around and be close. Maybe you need to get some of that baptism, get some splash on you. It's like the splash zone of SeaWorld. When, 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 when that happens, you need to get some splash on you and feel that refreshing um, spirit of what God wants to do in your life. Maybe this is a moment to come and celebrate with some people making their decisions and say, yes, I want to be a part of that decision as well. I want to, I want to celebrate. I want to get some high fives and, and get some splatter on me today. I feel like we need to be a church of celebrating, but I think we need to be a church of remembering. That's why my encouragement, and it's good to see so many of you here today, and not just family members that are here to celebrate with those making this decision, but some of us, we are, we are strangers in the natural, but we are brothers and sisters and family in Christ. And we're here to say, yes, I'm with you. I'm with all of heaven, the great crowd of witnesses to celebrate with you, to say, yes. And I need to remember. Because sometimes, just because I climbed to the edge of that tree branch again, 
sometimes I got to build up that faith again to jump. And sometimes that jumping, I haven't jumped enough to make it come a little more naturally. I haven't jumped enough to get over the fear of what I can't see and step into that faith or jump into that faith. I haven't done it enough. But this is what I love that I see with Peter. And if you'll turn with me to John chapter 21. Jesus has been arrested amidst even Peter and his so famous stories. Poor Peter. He, he says so many famous failings. And Peter, Jesus has been arrested. He's been mocked. He's been beaten. He's bleeding. He's broken. He's crucified. He's buried. And Jesus is resurrected. And then we see in this final chapter of the book of John, and I'll, I'll begin for a, a little bit of context in verse 4. It says, at dawn, Jesus was standing at the beach. Picture, make sure you understand, all night the, the, the disciples had been fishing. All night. They're, they're fishing at night so they can get fresh fish to sell in the morning. They're fishing all nights. And at dawn, Jesus was standing at the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. And then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. What if your victory looked like that? The victory that you haven't experienced yet looked so overwhelming like the disciples trying to haul in fish. The victory of peace that you're in need of, it was so overwhelming in your life that it didn't matter what that coworker said or what that family member did or what that, what the, whatever the situation was that you could find a piece of the Holy Spirit in your life beyond understanding to be able to be in that situation. It was so overwhelming that you would have enough left over, not just for yourself, but those around you. They couldn't even haul it in. No, they replied. And then he said, or excuse me, then uh, the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Of course, he, he yells it. I'm, I'm slowing down here for a moment. It's the Lord, he shouts. When Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord. He put on his tunic, for he had stripped down for the boat. Um, excuse me. He had stripped down for work. No joke there. Jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed in the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore. I love how the text even says, for they were only about 100 yards from shore. Like, they weren't even that far. But Peter, in this moment, is so reckless. No abandon in, in the situation to, to, to let everything go. All appropriateness. To say, you know what? I'm going to get to Jesus, and nothing is going to hold me back. I love this picture of baptism, by the way. There's a lot of texts that we can turn to for baptism, but here we have Peter jumping in the water. Why? Because he says, I'm going to get to Jesus. And here's the thing. Peter's done this before in a situation of asking permission, 
asking with his faith to walk on water, asking for the miracle more than maybe asking for Jesus. We might be able to be a little bit of, of having some insight into what Peter's motivation may be. But here again, we see a moment of Peter saying, you know what? I'm getting to Jesus and nothing is stopping me. There's no hesitation. There's no waiting. I think all the more reason that many of us need to be reminded of our baptism to say, you know what? Let's be like Peter. Whether we're the Peter that's going to walk on water for the first time, or we're like the Peter who says, you know what, I don't even care about the miracle because I care about only the one who performs the miracle. I no longer care what Jesus can do for me. I only care about getting to Jesus. And he didn't even know that Jesus was going to feed him on the other side. All he knew was that he had to get to Jesus Christ, his Savior, who was resurrected on the other side of that water. That nothing was going to stop him. Nothing was going to keep him from it. And there was no aspect of appropriateness or looking the right way or having the right words too often in, in, in Christian religiosity we allow it but I don't know what to say to my neighbor I don't know what to say to that co-worker or that family because one they know my life or maybe I don't have the right words but you know what if we could just be desperate enough to get to Jesus and allow nothing to hold us back that it is about Jesus in our lives and we just need to go after Jesus that's what I believe wholeheartedly for the church today we want the church to transform our surroundings. There are people on that, on that beach, on that, on that coastline, looking at Peter, looking at the disciples. There are disciples in the boat. So many times we allow the people in the church to even come as, to keep us from coming to prayer teams or altar or even baptism. And Peter says, I don't even care about who's in the boat. He kind of does them wrong, to be honest. I mean, you think John could have been like, you could have grabbed an oar, like you could have, you could have worked. But no, Peter, he didn't even care about what the disciples, he's like, Jesus is all that matters in this situation, getting to Jesus. And maybe Peter's motivation wasn't pure. You know, I remember when I was, um, when I was young and getting baptized, but I remember that moment that I, that I do believe it was wholeheartedly my decision to get baptized. And I do believe there was still a miracle in that moment and God moved in that moment. But I also remember in that moment being a young teenager, also kind of giving into some peer pressure. In the middle of my high school years, I'm, I'm moving in with my father who's a, a pastor, not really growing up in the church and my father got saved after, well after I was born and had his radical transformation. A radical transformation, by the way, who got baptized but didn't, didn't happen in public. It happened in private. But I'm sure getting baptized to make that public declaration of his faith and who he's going after, like Peter in this moment. But I remember being in this position of, of getting baptized and and not that it didn't stick or didn't take. We all have failings. We all have struggles. We all have life. We all have these things. But I also look back at maybe my motives weren't as pure. Maybe, maybe they were like a little bit like Peter. And we have people that come to us sometimes. And I've been a part of a church. that We've been so blessed and honored to be a part of a faith that we have so many people from other traditions that come to us and, and, and some that 
you know, traditions where you, you get baptized not by your decision as a young person, whether, whether, whether influenced or not, even as a teenager or as an adult, but even getting baptized as a child, which I believe is also important and valuable in the sense that you, you, the family members and people of faith, the community of faith called the church has come around you even as a young child to say, um, yes, yes, that we, we're, we are committing this child in water baptism, but, but them to be like, you know, that, that wasn't my decision. And, and I want this to be my decision. I want this to be my decision to go after Jesus. I want this to be my faith, which is also valuable. If I can just present a little bit of a struggle of a question that some of us have about baptism and not to answer it, but just to wrestle with it. What is your story? What is your background? What is that for you? If I look back at my life, I think I definitely would have taken a time where I might have chosen to get baptized again. And I'm thankful that there was a moment in my life where baptism, what I believe was a second baptism in my life, didn't come through water, but it was wet. It was a baptism of tears as I broke down in my pride one night that I could no longer keep up the walls. I could no longer keep up the facade and the masks. I could no longer bar against people trying to enter into my life with the love of Jesus. I could no longer keep out the good while holding in the bad. I could no longer keep out the dark or keep out the light while holding in the dark. And I remember one night when I experienced a baptism of my own to cry out to God like Peter, because I could not breathe. I was too busy trying to breathe underwater. And I could not breathe anymore in this one moment of crying out to God because I had nothing left to sustain me in this moment. And for many of us, maybe that's the second baptism we need. Maybe many of us today, we're in a need of a water baptism that takes place here in just a moment. Maybe some of us, we need to remember and just be reminded of our baptism and be refreshed in our walk with Jesus. And maybe some of us, we need a second baptism that maybe needs to come through having our pride and our fear and our shame washed away to say, no more, no more, I am jumping in this water. Maybe, maybe you go to Hurricane Harbor this summer and you just jump in that water and it's, it's in the midst of that. You say, Jesus, this is all about you. This is not about me. This is definitely not about my fear. This is all about you. But I love this public declaration and I felt shared, felt uh, led to share this scripture. In Romans chapter 10, verse nine. In Romans 10, nine and 10, it says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe it in your hearts, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. This is why so many times uh, there's, there's absolute power. And we also believe in leading in a prayer of salvation at the end of messages and, and, and in a traditional way that many of us are used to. But I also believe sometimes it is even by going to a prayer partner and telling them or going to Connect Center after service and saying, yes, today I gave my life to Jesus because I believe there's an absolute necessity 
of a miracle power in our lives that comes through us openly declaring Jesus. Peter in this moment, whether he's saying it under waters through bubbles or saying it with his head above water still, we don't even know where Peter is in this moment when he's walking to Jesus and begins to sink. So many of art depicts Peter in this moment with just a hand above water. And some of it depicts Peter with fully submersed and maybe, maybe Peter's big toe just dipped in a little bit and Jesus said, oh, I got you. You're like, you don't even know. I got you right here, right now. We don't even know the details of this moment, but what we do know is Peter cried out to Jesus and said, save me. There's a crying out in front of people. There's a declaration in front of people, which is one more reason I love the power that there is a moment of baptism where we make this decision in front of everybody to say, yes, I am making this decision. It doesn't matter how old I am or how young I am. It doesn't matter what my, my status is or what I drive is. It doesn't matter what I know or don't know. What I do know is Jesus. And I'm going after him.